God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So, let me ask you that question. What does God say? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when does God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially, the Bible is a collection of God Conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident, and I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that Jesus said we'd recognize his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. You don't need to be a Christian to live a good life. Plenty of my friends live great lives without God. They're well-educated, they hold successful jobs and they live in beautiful homes. For the most part, they enjoy happy, contented lives, even with a few bumps along the way. In our Western world, it's not difficult to live a good life. There are common sense decisions we can make, self-help books to read and plenty of resources at our disposal. We're so blessed in the West with opportunity and prosperity. Even with a bad start, you can turn things around if you work hard and make some good choices. But God has a very different life for those who choose to follow him. It's a good life, but it's not an ordinary life. The God life is far from ordinary. That is, if you choose to live it. Hi, and welcome to episode 44 of the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, speaker, and a founder of this ministry that equips you to recognize and respond to God's voice. Today, we're looking at the God life, what it means to walk with God. It's so important that we understand what partnering with a supernatural God looks like and how we negotiate the dynamic between God's ways and the natural ways that we do life. Well, by the time that you listen to this, I'm going to be on the other side of the world. I'm actually really excited because very shortly I'm about to head off to the big US of A. I have a visit to Alaska and to Texas and across a few other places. One of the reasons why I'm going is to present some findings from my doctoral thesis, my research on hearing God's voice. I've actually been spending the last three years researching people's experiences in this area, looking at three different churches and some of the patterns about how people hear and recognize and respond to God's voice. And it's an absolutely fascinating process. And what I'm hoping to do out of this is to to gather some findings, particularly for the help of pastors and leaders. You know, we hear God's voice in community. That's the safest and healthiest way by which we can discern God's voice among others. It's not just about the individual hearing from God. It's about everyone having the spirit. And so when we come together, it's much easier to hear his voice above others. But the question is, how do we build churches that can do that? And so I've been doing a lot more work with pastors and leaders of lately. And in fact, I've added a new tab on the website, resources for pastors. And so if you're one of those people who are really looking to develop this in your congregation or in your community, I really encourage you to check out some of the resources there. And I'm going to be adding more and more as they come along, as I continue to complete my thesis. So keep us in your prayers. And um, particularly as we really take this message further beyond um, every part of the world where people are longing to hear and know the voice of God. So today we're talking about this topic, the God life. It's good, but it's not normal. Uh, How do we live it? How do we live a life that's far from ordinary? 
I asked myself that same question. I remember back at 21 years old, sitting on the shores of Auckland Harbour. I just finished university, training to be a school teacher, and I'd just broken up with a really good boyfriend. And I remember sitting there and just contemplating my future and what it would look like. How would I make decisions about what job I should take or, or where I should live? I've been raised in a church all my life and I'd, I'd heard about Jesus, but I really wanted to know, well, what does it mean to actually follow God? What difference does it make? And I prayed this radical prayer. I said, God, if you, you will reveal yourself to me, if you'll speak to me clearly, then I'll follow you. I'll, I'll do whatever you say. See, some people think that the God life is all about following a list of rules, a set of commandments. You can't do this, you can't do that, or perhaps uh, subscribing to an intellectual set of beliefs. But Jesus describes the God life as being a friendship. And the picture I have is of two people walking along a road and, and just chatting and talking about the different things on our journey. And I think that's what the God life is. It's about allowing God to influence your decisions, about allowing God to input on your conversation. It's a good life. Abraham was a man who lived nearly four millennia ago, and it could be considered that he was living a good life. He had a good reputation in the community. He was doing well. He was prosperous. And then God spoke to him. He spoke to him about a different future, about a new land that he would go to and that he would possess, about a family that would then grow into a nation that would influence the world. The God life starts like that. It starts with listening to God and hearing his voice and allowing him to open up the horizons of our thinking. He speaks to us about a different future, a new vision that he has for us and he calls us to follow it. I love that. God invites us into his plan. And when we partner with him in this God life, we see things that we could never have seen before. I was 26 years old, standing on a football field. By that time, I was teaching phys ed sport with young primary school students. And I remember trying to teach my students how to kick, how to do a torpedo kick. And we're talking AFL football here. And torpedo kicks can be difficult to do. You have to angle the football a certain way so that it spins like a torpedo. Of course, the problem was when I kicked it, it spun more like a banana. But I remember asking God, God, what is it? that you have for my life. Speak to me. That's when he began to speak to me about his purpose for my life, which turned out to be my ministry. And it was something that I had never contemplated, something that I couldn't even imagine. And as I've gone on in this God life, as I've walked with Jesus, he's begun to open up things that that went far beyond my dreams. He has plans for each one of us. He has a vision for each one of us in the same way that he spoke to Abraham. He can speak to us. But as he does that, we're called to leave behind the good life, the ordinary life, the normal way of doing things. When Abraham was spoken to by God, he actually geographically moved from his city, but he had to leave behind the human way of thinking. God was now involved, walking with him, guiding him, leading him in his journey. See, the God life begins with God entering our natural world. God's words are spiritual. They're designed to create miracles in our lives. Think about how the world was created. It began with God saying, let there be light. 
and there was light. His words are designed to open up our worlds and produce a new vision in our lives. And that means that we need to then listen to his words and receive them. And that's what faith is. We talk a lot about faith in Christianity, don't we? But faith is just believing what God has said. And believing means to follow. For Abraham, it meant that he had to leave his home, leave his land, and then venture out into the unknown, into a new land, a land that he'd never seen before, a vision that he'd never carried before. And he had to believe in faith that God was able to do what was impossible. Even as Abraham and Sarah got older and they couldn't give birth naturally, they had to believe that God was able to do the supernatural and that God was able to produce a child, even though their bodies were aging. That's what the God life is about. It involves a supernatural person listening to supernatural words. And when those words come to us, when God's plan comes to us, it means that we walk differently. We're walking along a journey that's both natural and it's supernatural. But when we follow God, we're going to see miracles that we could never design for ourselves. This is what it means to live the God life. I remember when God first called me to pioneer a church, there were so many obstacles. In fact, it was a very difficult situation. It was a church that had closed down and we were restarting it. So there was a whole history behind it. We didn't have many resources. We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a strong team. But God spoke He spoke to me personally and he spoke to my pastor. We talked about it and and really thought it through, prayed it through, and it was very clear that God was saying, I want you to start this church. That's what the God life is like. God speaks into impossible situations. He speaks into things that we can't see. He speaks the opposite of our circumstances. Have you found that? Sometimes he'll speak into a certain job or a career that he wants you to have or or perhaps a, a relationship or an area of our lives. And he speaks so that we can believe what he said and then see it come to pass. That's what Abraham did as he walked the journey of faith. He had to believe that God really was able to take him to the new land and give it to him, that he really was able to produce a supernatural child. Faith is just believing what God had said. And as we do that, we're going to see miracles happen in our lives. The tangible breaking in of God's hand in our natural circumstances. I love how Ephesians 3 verse 20 describes that he's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, according to His power that's at work in us. See, the God life is that we are no longer walking this life alone. There's two of us, God and I, doing the journey together. And He's a supernatural God who wants to do miracles in our lives, who wants to reveal Himself. And as we follow as we believe, as we listen to what he says and then put it into action, we're going to see miracles in our lives. That's what God calls us to. It's a good life, but it's much more than that. It's the God life.
I remember when God first called me to pioneer a church, there were so many obstacles in the way. It was a difficult situation. We didn't have enough money. We didn't have enough resources. The team wasn't strong enough. All those external obstacles. But then there was also the internal obstacles, the fears that I had in myself. I'd never planted a church before. I didn't know what I was doing. I had deep sense of inadequacy. And I thought, well, what, what if I make a mistake? What if I fall on my face and it, it all falls apart? How humiliating will that be? See, when God calls us to do things, he speaks to a, a vision. He speaks to something new. And then he calls us to believe what he said. But the problem is we're surrounded in the natural by things that we can see. And sometimes it's hard to believe what he said. God's vision, God's word and his purpose is always supernatural. And that's the difference. The gap, if you like, between the natural and the supernatural is bridged by our faith. We need to believe what he said and stop looking at the natural. That's what it means in Corinthians when it talks about walking by faith and not by sight. When God speaks, there's always going to be a lack of resources. <laughs> You're never going to have enough money. You'll always feel inadequate. That's because now God has to get involved. The supernatural God has to come and intervene in our situations. We can't just rely on ourselves. This is a two-way street, a relationship, a partnership, where we play our part in believing him and he does his part in the supernatural. You know, when I struggle to believe in God's promises, I find myself looking at the life of Abraham. God had spoken so much to him about his future, this great plan of a new land and a nation that would come from him. So he embarks on this God journey, but he finds himself in a situation where nothing's happening. He's in a tent in this land, but he doesn't own any of it. He'd been promised a child, but Sarah, his wife, and his own body was aging and decrepit. He couldn't have children naturally. I think that's what happens with us as well. We, we hear God's voice and we believe his plan. We follow him and then we come across circumstances and it seems that nothing is happening. In fact, the opposite seems to be true. It's sometimes hard to believe God's plan. And in those moments, what we tend to do is to try and make it happen naturally. In fact, that's what Abraham did. He took the equivalent of the ancient form of IVF. He did what was of the normal custom in his day. He took his maidservant and he slept with her in order to produce a child. And it worked. He produced a child called Ishmael. But that's not the plan that God had. You see, the child that God had in mind was going to be born supernaturally. It wasn't going to be born in the ordinary way. That's how Galatians 4, verse 22 and 23 puts it. I love it. It says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one born by the slave woman, the maidservant, and the other by the free, his wife, Sarah. His son by the slave woman, it says, was born in the ordinary way. But his son by the free woman was born as a result of a promise. God's promises will always be birthed supernaturally in our lives. It will always require the supernatural intervening hand of God breaking into our ordinary 
circumstances. When we're facing those moments when it's hard to believe, when we're sort of counting the money and we're looking at the resources and we're looking at the circumstances and it's not working out, understand that this is okay, that this is normal, and then believe, you know what, I'm going to need God to do a miracle. I'm going to need God to intervene. This is not going to happen naturally. Be encouraged. God has the power to bring his promises to pass. And when he does, we're going to see supernatural birthings, just like Isaac birthed in Abraham's life. God promises to speak to us, but how do we know it's him? The ability to hear God's voice is part of our inheritance as followers of Jesus. His words have the power to transform us, to guide us into His purpose and give us wisdom for our everyday lives. Now you can learn how to hear God's voice for yourself through our six-week online course at godconversations.com. You can start at any time. Just sign up from the comfort of your own home or join with a group to learn what God's voice sounds like, His nature as a communicator and how to recognise His voice among the many that we hear. The e-course includes eight high-quality video presentations, downloadable study guides, interaction on discussion boards, and access to bonus resources from God Conversations. It's fantastic value and has the potential to change your life. Jesus promised we would know His voice such that we could follow it. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Register now at godconversations.com forward slash e-course. Have you ever prayed about something and found that God's not saying anything in response? Perhaps it's a new job or a question about a place to live, or maybe a new relationship that you're looking to start. You've prayed and prayed, and you want to do God's will, but the heavens are silent. We're talking this week about what it means to live the God life, a life that's different to the good life, in that it's marked by the presence of a supernatural God. But if God's involved, then what happens when he's not saying anything? Hi, I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to God Conversations. This scenario is exactly what happened to me when I first started pioneering my church a number of years ago. God had spoken clearly. He'd given me the vision. And so I began to pray about how do I fulfill it? How do I build this new church, God, that's on your heart? There were so many questions I had. For starters, uh, what what do I call it? Oh, God, I want the name that you want for this church. So something funky, something appropriate for the area. God, what's on your heart? What, what shall I call this new church? And where should we meet want something that's relevant to to the people and something that has storage and and a great facility that would go well for the services. What venue do you have in mind for for our church? And then, of course, the big question, how how am I going to build it? There's so many programs out there, different styles of churches. Well, God, what's your blueprint? What's on your heart for this church? So I prayed and I prayed and I prayed And there was nothing. God wasn't saying anything. I said, but God, you're the one who spoke to me about this church. You're the one that knows everything about how to build a church. I've never done this before. I really don't know what to do. So can you help me? Can you give me some ideas? Please answer my prayer. 
and I got nothing. It often seems to happen that way, doesn't it? We, we want to do God's will. We want to follow his plan for our lives. And we find ourselves on our knees saying, God, will you help me? And nothing comes. What's going on? Am, am I not praying the right way? Should I pray more? Should I pray harder? Should I go to church more often? What is it, God? I'm not hearing you speak to me. Well, there is a solution to this question, and we're going to talk about what it means. Another part of the God life, if you like, the presence of a supernatural God, but what that means for us to be involved. To answer this, I want to draw from a story found in 2 Samuel chapter 7, and it's about a man called David. David knew what it was to hear from God and to see him answer supernaturally. He knew what it was to have a vision where God would take him from being a lowly shepherd boy to the king of Israel. He finds his place as king and he does what all good kings do. First of all, he builds a palace for himself and then he sets about building a temple for his God. And he does what he's always done and he begins to pray, well, God, should I do this? And he goes to the prophet Nathan, his spiritual advisor, the way that people heard from God in those days. And he says to Nathan, should I build the temple? He prays and he asks God. And I want you to listen to how Nathan responds to his prayer. He says this, whatever is in your heart, whatever's on your mind, Go and do it, for the Lord is with you. I love that response. Whatever's on your heart, do it, for the Lord is with you. When God is not speaking into the specifics of our circumstances, there's freedom to do whatever is in our hearts. What makes sense? What's wisdom? What it is that you're gifted to do? You see, God doesn't have to dictate to us every little thing that we do. He wants us to be involved, all of ourselves, all of our gifts, all of our talents, and even our desires. When our paths are submitted to God, God wants us involved in the God life. You see, the God life is supernatural. God plays his part. He does the miracles. But he also wants us to engage in the natural part of who we are, our whole selves, every part of us. We use what we have. We use our resources. We use our intelligence. We use our common sense and good wisdom to do what we've been called to do. I spoke earlier about pioneering my church and asking God all these questions about how to build it. And it was like God came back to me and he said, what should you call the church? Well, what do you want to call it? What venue should you meet in? Why don't you go and have a look and see what's available? How should you build the church? Why don't you talk to someone who's done it before? Read a book, go to a conference, learn, grow, discover, use what I've put in you. See, the Bible says that we've been given gifts and talents that God has given us such that we can do the thing that he has called us to do. And living the God life involves playing our part. It involves doing what we can, using what we've got. And then as we do that, we keep submitting our path to God. We keep 
listening. See, that's what happened to David. After he came home and he started to think about the temple and how he was going to build it and what color curtains he should use, God speaks. And Nathan comes back with the message, I want your son Solomon to build it. But there's freedom in God to do what's in our hearts to do. As we continue to submit our lives to him, as we continue to listen, go ahead and do it. For the Lord is with you. This is the God life. A number of years ago, I was sitting by a campfire with a friend and we were talking about our spiritual lives. He was a lapsed Catholic who found himself rejecting most of the religion of his childhood. We were chatting away and he asked me this question. Being a Christian hasn't made that much difference in your life, has it? I laughed a little in response. I think he expected me to say things like, "Mm, it affects what I do on a Sunday morning. Instead, I said, actually, being a Christian has changed everything. I found myself doing things I would never have done. But more than that, knowing God has changed who I am. The God life is like a friendship, but it's like a friendship with no other person because it involves a supernatural deity. The God life is supernatural because God gets involved. He works miracles and he does things a little bit differently. But it's also natural because I'm involved. I make decisions. I give all of my life. I use everything I can to fulfill God's purpose and plan. I want to wrap up this topic by talking about a few wisdom issues because I find that this relationship can sometimes be a bit of a confusing dynamic for people. And I find that what can happen is we swing between two extremes. Let me explain. You see, for some people, the God life is all about what God does. It's God, God, God. Um, Every decision I make, I have to hear from God. And what that means sometimes is that it can paralyze my input into the relationship. I become passive because unless God speaks to me and tells me what to do, I won't do anything. And sometimes it leaves us in a position where we're not active. We're not taking a responsibility for the decisions that we need to make and the things that we need to do. It's 100% God, but it's not much of me. But then there's the other pendulum swing. And this is where it's all about me. And when I look at my life, it doesn't have much of God in it at all. I make human decisions and natural choices. I'm not listening to God and allowing him to speak the supernatural in my life. I'm not stepping out in faith out of the comfort zone and believing what he says. I'm not praying and asking God for his input. It's 100% me but not much of God. But there's one thing I've learnt as I've walked the God life and sometimes learnt the hard way is that this is a two-way street. This is a two-way conversation, that the God life involves both God and I. And the call is that both of us are fully involved in fulfilling his purpose for our lives. This is the God life. It's a partnership, a friendship that involves two parties, God 
and myself and how sometimes that can be a confusing dynamic for people because we swing between one party and the other. And I have to admit that in the past, I've definitely been the person where it's all of God and not much of me. I shared a little bit about how when God first called me to to pastor and plant my church, I asked him questions about how to do it. And God didn't answer me because he wanted me to contribute to the relationship, not to be led by every single thing that he would say. He wanted me to discover it for myself, to learn and grow and use what he had given me. It sounds silly now, but I had to realize who I was and the gifts and the talents he'd given me. I guess the moment changed for me. I was pastoring my church. I'd been doing so for about two years. And I remember finishing up a Sunday service one night. We'd packed everything away. And I remember driving home in the car and just reflecting on the service and all that had happened. I'd been pastoring now for a couple of years and the the church had grown. We'd had a great service. I tried a few different creative things in the service. And I just started to think about the journey that I'd been on, this this God journey. And as I did that, I just had this moment. The window was wound down. The air was blowing through. And I had this moment where I started to realise that in the God journey, that God was present and he had been with me, but that I'd also contributed to the journey. I discovered gifts that I never knew I had. And I realized I am a leader. I am a pioneer. I can do this. And though I had seen God at work, I'd seen his hand. I'd also seen my hand. And though I'd heard his voice, I'd also heard my voice. And I realized that we had done it together. See, sometimes we think that the God life is like a 50-50 relationship. It's, it's, it's part him and it's part us. But this is what I've discovered, that the God life is 100% us, all of us. Everything we have, we give, we surrender to the call of God. And on the other hand, it's 100% of God. He plays his part, all that he can do, the supernatural, and that we're doing this together. What a beautiful picture. Jesus said that he's come to call us friends, a friendship that's defined by the things that he tells us. We're walking this journey together, all of me, all of him. We're contributing everything that we can to see God's purpose fulfilled in our lives. It's been fantastic to speak to you this week about the God life, 100% natural and 100% supernatural. What a privilege to follow God. I trust that's been helpful for you. I trust that's been encouraging. And I pray that God will give you the grace to live fully this God life that he's given us. Great to have you on the show today. Don't miss the next episode by subscribing on iTunes. Search for God Conversations with Tanya Harris and click subscribe. While you're there, leave us a review so others can learn to hear God's voice too. 